listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Um, so I am not Pastor Jason, and he was supposed to preach today. Um, and so this morning, uh, you know, basically you could say he was looking at something and then he said, I'm sick to my stomach. And I thought he was like, geez, what are you sick to your stomach of? No, literally, he was st- sick to his stomach. And so he's currently dealing with that. He has an upset stomach. <laughs> um, so keep him in prayer. Um, he uh, probably won't be here tonight for the Thanksgiving potluck. Um, but uh, we will still have uh, the, the food, the camaraderie, the fellowship of all of us being here together. Uh, but we will keep Pastor Jason in prayer. Uh, please keep him in your thoughts and prayers as he uh, recovers from this uh, stomach. Uh, I think it's a virus. Um, um, but today we were originally going to do a sermon that was a two-week uh, series uh, right before Thanksgiving. But uh, because of this, uh, we're doing something different. And so what I, what I wanted to bring to the table today uh, as, as a sermon or message is the concept of running free. Um, when I think of running free, it, 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 I think of the exhilarating feeling that you get when you have no cares in the world and you can run freely, uh, just unhinged from any, any limitations, uh, from any worries, from any circumstances that are weighing down on you. And freedom is one of those concepts that is persistent in the Bible that God talks to us consistently about. We can see right from the beginning uh, of... Uh, of the biblical narrative, uh, the, the Israelites seeking freedom, and again, God frees them with the leadership of Moses and his brother, uh, and freedom is something that consistently the Israel, Israelites seek later when they are in captivity. Um, Jesus talks about uh, the fact that we can know the truth and be free, so freedom is a persistent uh, concept in the Bible and that God wants us to experience, but I think sometimes we can be unaware of the varying degrees of freedom that we are promised through the Bible. And so that's what I want to talk about today, the varying degrees of freedom. See, for me personally in my life through uh, the, the journey that God has taken me personally through, I've experienced at least three degrees of freedom uh, as a Christian. And I think that these three are available to any Christian. In fact, they are. They're promised in the Bible. There could be more degrees of freedom and things that God promises freedom in. But these are just three core essentials that I think are foundational to being a Christian. And, and, and honestly, I'm just going to be real with you guys. You know, when I was growing up and, you know, I was brought up in a slightly different uh, faith, um, I... I I never would have associated the word freedom with practicing faith in Christ. I never, ever would have thought of that. It didn't make sense to me because to me that Christianity or the way I was walking my faith at least at that time was something I just had to do because if not, well, then God is upset. And if God is upset, then that probably means I'm not going to go to heaven. And so that's, the, that's what I was freed from. That's one of the many things I was freed from. And so you often hear phrases that Christians sometimes say in, in social media or, or 
you know, there's just summary phrases like, uh, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. And so, uh, you know, th- there is some truth to that, but what I want us to understand is that the, really behind that phrase, though it's a little incomplete, what the phrase is trying to say is that we are free from trying to gain anything from God. Rather, we are free into a new type of religion, a new type of relationship with God. So I want us to go through those three degrees of freedom that every Christian can experience because I think that these can ultimately take you from a life of trying to keep a checklist uh, to keep God happy from a life that's running free and wild towards God. That's what I want us to do as Christians. Um, And that's what I think God wants us to do is to run free and wild towards him. And we would wake up every every morning excited to run towards God and to see what new adventures he has for us um, in in his glory revealed to us. So the first degree of freedom that every Christian experience, the first degree of freedom is that in Christ we are free from condemnation. And you've heard me talk about this before. In fact, recently, uh, when we were talking uh, about the church, um, and, and I, f- I felt like I need to clarify something about this because not all Christians technically kind of believe this. And so I want to clarify what I mean when I say in Christ we are free from condemnation. See, depending on what church you grew up in, if you grew up in a church. If you went to some denomination, some churches have varying stances on whether or not salvation is something that's permanent, whether it's something that you uh, can undo, or if, if it's there to stay. And, you know, there, there's at least two school of thoughts, two theological schools, and they're, one is called Calvinism, and the other is called Arminianism, and they really go into different things that don't talk too much about salvation. But sometimes, unfortunately, the permanence of salvation gets associated with one of them. And what I want to try to convince you guys, I, I, I don't know if I could ever call myself a Calvinist or an Arminianist. What I can say is that I think that the Bible, regardless of those two school of thoughts, the Bible promises that salvation is permanent. And so I, I want us to walk through those passages, uh, again, to remind ourselves of why it is that God promises and we can feel safe in knowing that we are free from condemnation. When I say free from condemnation, I mean free from feeling that someday if you didn't live a good enough life, someday when you die, there's a possibility you're going to hell. You can be free from that today because God gives you that promise. And again, I know that for some Christians this is a little rough because depending on their theological thoughts, They might feel differently, but I think this is not a matter of theological stance. This is something the Bible, not just once, not just twice, but many times reaffirms. And so let's look at it so that you can hear, if you struggle with this, like, oh, I'm a Christian. I don't know if I'm saved. Am I saved? If you struggle with this, I want God to free you from the feeling of condemnation today, okay? Because he needed to free me. Romans 8.1 says there is therefore now, that key word there, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say there is therefore potentially no condemnation in Christ Jesus when you die. It doesn't say that. It says the, the, the matter is settled now. There is therefore now no condemnation for those 
for who who are in Christ Jesus. That in itself is, is something else to talk about, to be in Christ Jesus, and we'll talk about that today. But if you are in Christ Jesus, you are not condemned. Galatians 2.21. Galatians 2.21 clarifies that if in any way we are to earn our salvation, Christ died for nothing. And I think this is one of the key points that we must understand as believers. If there's any inch for you to earn your salvation, then Christ died for nothing. Christ died precisely because I can't save myself. If that logic is there, then it makes sense when Paul speaks to this. He says, I do not nullify the grace of God for if righteousness, that is being holy, being declared holy enough to go into heaven, which is perfectly holy, right? For if righteousness were through the law, meaning through obedience to God's law, then Christ died for no purpose. So if I have any inch, any space of work to achieve towards my salvation, Christ died for nothing. Christ died precisely because of the opposite, because I cannot save myself through works. I cannot be declared holy because I will never meet the standard of God, ever. John 10, and these are just some of the passages again where this is over and over again told to us. John 10 is a game changer. For me, it was a game changer. If you are a disciple of Christ, you are his sheep. His sheep that he pastors, those, that, those sheep are the believers in Christ. Those, those are the ones that are in Christ Jesus. And so in verses 27 through 30, he makes sure to say it at least twice, that you can't undo this. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them Catch this, okay, because it, the context is clear. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. Never. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. Satan won't snatch them out of the hand of Jesus. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So you have to understand that what Jesus is saying here essentially is, no one can pull things out of God's hand. No one can snatch out of that. Once you're in his hand, there's no one that can pull you out of the hand of God. There's nothing that you could do. There's nothing you could do. There's no sin. There's no mistake that you could do that could possibly snatch you out of that. So salvation is one of those things that you can... Today, if you are in Christ Jesus, which is a separate question, if you are in Christ Jesus, you can say, I am not condemned. And this is something that, as I said earlier, I struggled with a lot growing up. Uh, as a teenager, I had, you know, severe problems with pornography. And because of that, I consistently questioned whether or not I was saved. I struggled with it consistently. Now, there's a, there's a difference between the demeanor of a Christian with sin and the demeanor of someone that's not a Christian. And that's worth clarifying. Because sometimes we could have the approach that some people have, which is to hear, well, if, if I'm no longer condemned, if I'm saved and it's set, 
then I've got license to sin, right? It doesn't matter. It's a, it's a done deal. And the problem with that is a person who has that demeanor towards sin, that attitude towards sin, that person is not in Christ. That person is not in Christ. And so the demeanor of a Christian is totally different from the demeanor of a person who hasn't commit their life to Christ. Sin can't undo your salvation. But a person that lives for sin isn't living for Christ. And if you're not living for Christ, you're not saved. So salvation is, comes from a, a, a devotion and from a decision to say, I will follow Jesus regardless of the cost. And I might mess up sometimes, but I'm trying not to. That's the demeanor of a Christian. I've, I've given this analogy before up here. Um, it's a lot like basketball. Um, I'm, you know, I used to play basketball in high school, and we have many basketball players here. But a basketball player, if he truly or she is, truly is serious about the sport and a, about becoming a better basketball player, when they go to the court, they don't mess around. And what do I mean by that? The Christian, much like the basketball player, is always trying to make the shot. I may miss the shot, but the Christian is always trying to make the shot. Now, if I tell you I'm a basketball player and I go to the court and I just start kicking the ball around and when I, throw, when I try to take a jump shot, you know, try to make a basket, I just go like, yeah, which, uh, yeah, occasionally you do that. Throw it from the other side of the court. But if that's all I do and I never work on my craft, I'm never trying to actually make the shots, you wouldn't believe I'm a basketball player. A basketball player works on his or her form, and you know they do this thing called the follow through, right? They follow through. Sorry, the mic didn't pick that up. But they follow through with the shot. For the podcast, I just attempted to do a jump shot. Attempted, <laughs> right? Yeah, there you go, I like it. So a basketball player works on his or her craft. That's what you try to do. It's the same for a, a musician. If I'm a guitar player, and I, if I tell you I'm a guitar player, and then I just pick up the guitar and I just go, bling, 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 you're like, no, you're not a guitar player. You don't even practice. <laughs> and so there's a key distinction in the demeanor of a Christian and a non-Christian. It's not license to sin. Why would I want to sin if I'm a Christian? Why would I not want to make my jump shot if I'm a basketball player? Does that make sense? I'm not going to always make the shot. But you bet I'm always trying to make the shot with joy. By the way, when I miss the shot, it's not like I'm like, I quit. <laughs> I'm out. No. When I play basketball, I play with joy. And when I miss, I'm like, oh, man, I want to get back to that. That's the demeanor of a Christian that says there's no condemnation. Because I'm set. I am in Christ Jesus. And when I miss... His blood covers my misses, so I can pick up the ball again. That is so good and so freeing. It's not freedom to sin. It's freedom to not feel condemned. You understand the difference? When I'm saved and no longer condemned, I am free not to sin. I am free from feeling like I'm going to hell. And, it's the, and, and let me tell you, yeah, Mark, Mark is laughing because that is the best feeling it is the best feeling, the best feeling, because I grew oppressed, grew up oppressed because my sins 
were allowing me to see my weaknesses. And I tried. And every time I made that one sin that I talked about earlier, I promised it was the last time. And I would say, that's the last time I'm doing that. That's the last time I'm doing that. And I'd miss the shot again and again and again. But I did want to make the shot. Eventually, though, I looked into the Bible and found that there was a coaching that I wasn't seeking and that I could improve my shot because I was shooting the wrong way. I was trying to overcome those sins the wrong way just by my own effort and saying, no, no more. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and that's not enough. In the Bible, there are techniques that God teaches us, more importantly, through the empowerment of the Spirit to overcome the sin because I can't do it on my own. And that's a separate sermon, right? That we've talked about those things before. But what I want you to understand is, as a basketball player, I practice making my shot, not missing my shot. This is why in 1 John verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 9, it says, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Do you get that? Does it mean you never sin? No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. I don't go to the basketball court and made a, make a practice of missing. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. There's a desire, just like the desire I have to make the shot. Now as a Christian, there is a desire in me to not practice missing the shot, but to practice making the shot. It is so different. So we must remember, we are free from the condemnation of of feeling like, or from the, the feeling of condemnation that we're going to hell, that we're going to be condemned uh, for our sins, that has been dealt with. I am now free for my next degree of freedom. The first degree of freedom is I'm free from the feeling of condemnation. Great, but it doesn't stop there. The second degree of freedom that a Christian experiences is the following. In Christ, we are free from the power of sin. So if you want to phrase it differently, the first degree of freedom is you are free from the condemnation of sin, but you can't get freedom from the condemnation of sin without also getting freedom from the power of sin. Different. That means now the coach comes alongside and I'm working on my craft. I have the power now to correct my shot. I have the power to now make a high percentage of my shots. You are no longer con uh, condemned, but you are also no longer a slave to the sin. You are free from the power of sin. Listen to Jesus talk about this degree of freedom. In John chapter 8, verses 31 through 34, it, said, it says, excuse me, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Right? So you're truly basketball players. You're trying to make your shots. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. One of my favorite passages is often one of the most quoted passages. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him. What are you talking about? Like we were freed, right? We, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin. There's that phrase again. Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. 
Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So Jesus is saying, if you are my disciple, yes, you are free from the condemnation of sin, but you're also free from the power of sin. Because you are no longer someone who makes practice of that. And in fact, I'm going to help you. Romans 6 Chapter 6, verses 17 through 18, it says, But thanks be to God, Paul is speaking to us now, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. It's, uh, it says this in verses 18, uh, 17 through 18 in chapter 6. So, I am not just free from condemnation. I am free from the power. The shackles of sin, the shackles have been unlocked. The problem is sometimes we, you know, it's like, I always say it's like the movie um, Shawshank Redemption. We've been institutionalized by sin in the sense that it feels familiar. And I don't have the shackle on anymore, but I like to feel it every once in a while. I got used to it. Like, let me, let me go and strap it on. It's not locked. I just want to feel it. And sin is like that. Sometimes we, we are, we're free, but we want, we, we want to go back to those shackles. And we don't need to do that. We have become, that verse says, obedient from the heart. That means I really want to make those shots to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. I, I, I know what a basketball player is supposed to do. I'm going to shoot the ball this way. I'm going to take... Uh, you know, 80 shots this, uh, you know, before I start working on my jump shot, 80 shots from the free throw. I, like, I have a routine. That's the standard to which I've committed myself. The same is true. I have committed myself to no longer sin the ways I used to do. I don't allow sin to hold uh, any corner of my life. I have been set free from sin. So that's the second degree of freedom. I can be free from feeling condemned and from the power of sin. But the third degree of freedom is in Christ, we are free from religious obligation. We are free to worship authentically. And I think a lot of Christians get stuck and don't necessarily get to this degree of freedom. They battle so much with the first two that they aren't able to enjoy God. How could you enjoy God if you've been told that you're saved, but you're not even sure if you're saved. How can I worship authentically if I'm worshiping, but I don't know if I'm saved? How could you worship authentically if there's a sin holding you slave? So if I could just remember my first two degrees of freedom... I will have all the reason to not just come to church because I have to, but because I want to celebrate. This is a party. That's why one of our meetings that we have sometimes on Sundays after church is called after party. This is supposed to be a party. <laughs> a lot of us grew up with a bad experience of church, and church isn't a party. <laughs> it wasn't a party, but it is. It's something I look forward to and that many of you, if not all of you, look forward to every Sunday because I get to celebrate the fact that I have been 
saved. I've been set free. I've been declared righteous. I mean, you have to, in order to experience and worship God authentically and not just do a checklist, you, you have to walk through in your mind all the things that God has done for you. You are a son and daughter of the living God. You are a royal priesthood. You are in the heavenly realms with him. He loves you. The Father loves you the way he loves Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for you. Every single sin you've ever committed, Jesus took on himself. He took the wrath of God on himself for you. I need to walk through that in order to enjoy. Then I have reason to come up here and raise my hands. Or to not raise my hands, but to worship in my heart. There's got to be an ecstatic sense of freedom I'm saved what I could do. I was addicted to this. I was struggling with pride. I was struggling with envy. I, I, I can't get over my sense of self or I can't get over the feeling that I, I can't control things and I want to control everything. I, I'm, I'm fearful for my life, for the life of a person that I'm worried about. I'm fearful for my finances. My marriage is falling apart. But I can be ecstatic because the fact that Jesus died for me, he's, the, he's promised so much that's already become true, but there's so much more that's going to come. You are holy. You are the son and daughter of the living God. You've been promised that, that you will enjoy the presence, the fullness of, of his joy in his presence. You've been promised that you, you, you will... You will take the good news to the, to the city and to the realms beyond this city, to places that need to be freed from darkness. You are light. The, the Bible tells us in Ephesians, you are light because the light of Jesus has, it's reflected off of you, it kind of says. You, there's so much good news. There's so much reason to be ecstatically happy in Christ. But if it's a chore for me to come to church or it's a chore for me to open my Bible, if it's a chore for me to pray, then I'm, I'm just not remembering why I'm supposed to be ecstatic. There's just so much good stuff that God gives you. When you read the Psalms, that's where I am right now in this season of my life, I'm looking at a person or a psalmist who is free from religious obligation. They are free to worship authentically. I read the psalmist, and he's just like, oh, man, God. He's just so ecstatic about the fact that God is glorious. He's beautiful. He's saving. He's a, he's a rock. He's a fortress. He's a redeemer. The psalmist just recognizes that there's something of just so good, so authentically real, so engaging, so loving that the psalmist can't draw away from God. That's what we're free to do now. I don't, have to, I don't have to worship out of a sense of obligation. I get to worship what I love. I get to worship and enjoy. It's a reaction. It's an emotional involvement, investment into God. That's what being free from religious obligation is. Psalm 27.4. Look at what the psalmist speaks. This isn't a person that just does religion for the sake of it. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. That's not religious, you know, 
routine. That's not religious routine. That's worship. I want that. I don't want to just like, all right, let's, where am I in my Bible reading plan? I don't want that. I want every day to seek the Lord, to gaze upon the beauty, to inquire in His temple, to, to ask of God so much that I want to know and understand. Psalm 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalmist is saying, you know what? Jesus is my shepherd, I don't need anything else. I want that. I want that feeling. I don't want religious obligation. I want to be engaged in the heart like the psalmist. You know when you're passionate about something? It's like when someone, like this morning I was walking around talking with, with some of our church friends and, and someone asked me about Star Wars. And I went like this, wait, what? We're talking about Star Wars? What? The, the new series on Disney Plus, The Mandalorian? Yo, let's talk. And I get all excited and we start geeking out, talking about theories. Oh, but maybe this is connected to that. You know, wait a minute, Boba Fett, what, you know, was he a Mandalorian? Well, technically, yes, technically, no. And we, we start geeking out, right? Or, yeah, excuse me, Boba Fett is a Mandalorian, but is Jango Fett a Mandalorian? And so we started geeking out about all these things, right? <laughs> and so I'm passionate about that. When you talk to me about Star Wars, I geek out. It's not like, uh, routine. But... In the Bible, it's the same thing. It, it should be the same thing. I should experience the freedom from religious obligation and move on to, oh, excitement. Someone's talking about Jesus. Come on. Someone's talking about the liberator, the person that has freed me from all my sins, who took on the shame, who took on the guilt, who took on the wrath. That, uh, I want to talk about that. I, I, like someone is talking about, like, I don't know if Christianity, like that, that's a weird religion and it's condemning, it's oppressing. Hang on, no, no. I was oppressed my whole life. I was oppressed by pornography and by feelings of condemnation and Jesus freed me. Can we talk about that? Because I'm excited. Because it changed my life. And it changed the life of so many people. I'm excited. Like, let, yo, let's go read some of the amazing things that God promises me. That's authentic worship. We are free to worship authentic, authentically. It, God is so engaging to the heart, not an obligation, that Paul says he hopes he could die today and be with God. That could be misconstrued, so let's clarify. But in Philippians 1, verses 23 through 24, Paul's like, yeah, you know, I'm, yeah, I really, I know I'm supposed to be here working with the church, but I, I just want to go and be with Jesus. Like, I just want to be with him right now. He says, I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. He understands that the presence of God, being with Jesus, the presence, seeing his face, to inquire in his temple, to gaze upon his beauty, those, that is better than life itself. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. See, we are in a body of believers. We don't get an early exit. We are a body of believers, and so we need each other for our growth. Christ wants us to hear now till he takes us home. We're anxious to get there, but he's the one that determines when I get home. But the point of this is Paul understands he is the end game. He doesn't want to go to heaven because there's like 
cool like rides and, and no lines. It's like Space Mountain, but no lines. No, it's not that. He wants to go to heaven for the person of Jesus. He wants to go to heaven for the person of Jesus because heaven can be amazing, but if Jesus isn't there, we shouldn't want it. Paul wants Jesus. We are engaged by the fact that the Lord is our shepherd and we don't want anything else in comparison to the shepherd. Nothing else. That is free, authentic worship. I want to have that heart that in Psalm 36, verses 7 through 9 says, How precious is your steadfast love, O God. We talked about that word before a few weeks ago. Steadfast means basically committed. It it is a committed, unrelenting love. It is, in fact, the word we used, now I remembered it, is unconditional. Unconditional love. It doesn't depend on your performance. It doesn't depend on whether or not you prayed today. (laughs) Because what matters is I should want to pray, not I should pray. we got to change our phrasing up here. I should want to pray. I should want to go to church because I I want to inquire in his temple. I want to gaze upon his beauty. We need to be excited about about God and abandon religious obligation. I want to be like the psalmist that says, again in Psalm 36, how precious is your unconditional love because I'm a wreck. I'm a wreck. Man, your, your unconditional love, it still looks at me despite what happened two weeks ago or what I, where I, what I was doing that I wasn't supposed to be doing. Or that time I snapped at my wife and, and I was like angry and, and rude and mean to her. God loves me unconditionally. So now I want to be better. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of of your house. You know, when I go to eat, it's like my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> it's, it's the best. I have such a good time. This is what the Christian walk is. It's a feast. They feast. So the children of God, get it, they feast on the abundance of your house, Father. And you give them drink from the river of your delights. This doesn't sound like heaven is not fun. This sounds like amazing. You give them from the river of your delights, for with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. That's what I want. Like, when I go to feast, it's the best feeling in the world. It's, <laughs> I eat a lot, so that's why. <laughs> you know, quick side story. A few years ago when I was started to hang out with Carlos and Teresa, Carlos invited us over for Teresa's birthday. Teresa's favorite food is uh, carne asada. And JP and I, we love to feast. We love to feast. <laughs> so apparently, he, he's like, leave me out of it. But the truth is, the, the truth is he helped me. And uh, long story short, we ate all the carne asada. Teresa never tried it <laughs> the whole night. I didn't do it on purpose. I just love to feast, man. I love to feast. You know, we go to BJ's and we order the big pizuki. Like, there's a pizuki that's almost the size of this table. I, I'm not joking. If you don't know what the pizuki is at BJ's, you're missing out. I'm, I'm telling you. I think I'm, I'm, I'm just excited about tonight, the, the Thanksgiving potluck. That's what's happening here. I'm hungry. Um, but when I feast, it's such, you know, feast means... I'm going to 
you know, it, it's not the best analogy, but I'm going to eat more than I need to eat, right? <laughs> In real life context, that's sin. <laughs> you do, you're not supposed to eat, overeat. But a feast means that there is abundance. It says, I feast on the abundance of your house. There is good, beauty, love, unconditional love beyond what I need. It's, it's a feast. I am overeating not actual food, but the goodness and the delight and the grace of God. That, that's, that's not religious obligation. I want that. I want to be free to worship authentically. So my encouragement to, to us as a church and to myself is for us to strive for this third degree of freedom because we struggle with it. And it's, th this is where I am in my life right now. I want to get to more freedom of worship and abandon the slavery of religious obligation. Because God has every reason for me to want to worship him. And it's not on the screen, but Psalm 16:11, we hear it a lot. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I want that. That's what I want. So as, as a church, yes, degree of freedom number one, you no longer should feel condemned ever if you are truly a person who's committed his or her life to Jesus. Because we've been told that Jesus has you in his hand and no one can snatch you out of his hand. No one. That's a God grip, right? No one can snatch you out of his hand. So yes, I'm free from condemnation, but number two, I'm free from the power of sin. I try to make all my shots. The analogy we discussed earlier, a basketball player always tries to make their shots. Even if they miss them, they're excited about the game and they're trying to make their shots. And then finally, the one that, we, that we're struggling with, uh, what maybe you're not, but myself, I'm trying to get more of this, is to move away from religious obligation and embrace authentic worship. I want what the psalmist wants. I want to experience God that way. My practical encouragement to you as, as our musicians come back, as the worship team comes back, my practical application to you is that if you want to, if you really want to worship God in this way, authentically, and not out of religious obligation, get to know God. I can't worship him for who he is if I don't understand who he is. I can't get excited about a person I don't know. So if I want to really be invested in, in my heart towards God, I really have to get to know everything that he's done for me, every freedom he's given me, every redeeming moment that he's promised for me, everything that he promises to do. He doesn't promise to remove me out of the trials, but he promises to walk with me. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for you are with me. He promises he's there. So when I see trials, I see him. If you're in a trial right now, he's with you. If you've given your life to him, he's with you. And he's not ever, ever abandoning you. Ever. You may have been abandoned by family, by parents, by siblings, by friends, but God will never abandon you. He will never forsake you. I think we've said this here before. Jesus... He was forsaken 
by the Father so that you will never be. He said, Father, why have you forsaken me? Well, guess what? Because the Father did that to the Son, because He loved us, and the Son lovingly did it, embraced that, you will never be forsaken by God, ever. He will be in the thick of the mud with you. He will be with you in that trial. And you will feel peace in those moments. So as the ushers prepare the tithes and offering, as they get ready to pick that up, I want us to pray that God would empower us to be a people that really worships authentically. That we wouldn't worship out of a sense of obligation. That we would remember we're free from condemnation. We're free from the power of sin. But also we are free to worship Him, to run free towards Him and embrace the life of God. Feast on who He is. That we would feast and want nothing else that we are excited that one day we're going to be face-to-face with Him and it's going to be the most amazing adventure, nonstop, exhilarating, and it will be the most fulfilling thing ever in our lives. So let's pray. Father, I, I, I truly ask that you, would, that you would really take this home to our hearts, that we would remember who you are, what you've done for us, that you call us son and daughter, that we are now as holy as Jesus, not because of us, but because of him, that I don't have to fear punishment because I'm in you, because no one can snatch me out of your hand, that I am free from sin that tries to make me feel condemned, that I'm free from the power of sin, that I can overcome it and people can be inspired to want you, that they would see a former slave like ourselves and they would be inspired to run free towards you, that they would wake up every morning wanting to feast on the abundance of your house, that we would remember, Father, when we don't have a reason to worship you authentically, I pray that we would remember that your love is steadfast, unconditional, persistent. It's a stubborn love. (laughs) Not that God is stubborn, but it is a love in spite of what we do. That we would relish in that. That we would just be so happy and engaged by that. Father, may we every day, before anything else, want more of you. As the ushers have come forth with the tithes and offerings, I pray that we would worship through tithes and offerings. That it would be an exercise of worship, of saying, I, everything I have is yours, Father. And this is just me acknowledging that and worshiping you and trusting in you. I am worshiping through the exercise of tithe and offering. But Father, I pray that the tithes and offerings would be multiplied and that it miraculously and that they would be used for your kingdom. This is a church that is kingdom bent, that we are seeking to expand your kingdom here in Redlands and beyond. May this happen, Father. We pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 
listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.